Parshas Acharemos. Two goats. In Parshas Acharemos, we come to the special subject of the Sa'il La'azazel, the unique goat offering of Yom Kippur. It's a very unusual kapara, this Sa'ir. Its procedure is unlike all other kojim. Although it's a goat, one of the animals that is typically brought as a korban, nothing else about it is typical. The primary avoida of the Sa'ir doesn't even take place in the Beis HaMikdash. Instead, it is taken far away from Yerushalayim to the desolate area of Hare Yehuda. And the procedure that takes place there doesn't appear to be that of a korban altogether. The Sa'ir La'azazel, you don't slaughter and you don't sprinkle its blood. And nothing at all is offered up on the Mizbeach to Hashem. All you do is lead the Sa'ir to a precipice, a high cliff, and you give it a shove. You push it over the edge and watch it roll down the rocky mountainside, crashing against the rocks. By the time it reaches the bottom, it's smashed into little pieces. Whom it galgel v'yoyded, ad evorim, evorim. That's how we bring this offering to Hashem. It's a remarkable thing. And yet, this goat that doesn't seem to be a korban at all, it has none of the characteristics of a korban, achieves what no other korban can achieve. It's so potent that it has the power to be mechaper, to atone even for people who sin bemazed intentionally. And what's more, the Sa'il Azazel brings you atonement even if you didn't do teshuva. It's unbelievable. No korban is mechaper unless a person does teshuva beforehand. It's a remarkable thing that you're hearing now. A man sins b'mezid. He shaves his beard with a razor, let's say, and he doesn't do teshuva. He's not even maharher b'teshuva. And now, just because a goat is thrown off of a cliff, this sinner becomes purified. He's a clean man now. The Rambam says that in Hilchas Tshuva. It's remarkable. It's the one exception in the Torah where such a thing is found. Now, it's true, it won't be mechaper for everything. Chayavei krisis, it won't be mechaper for. But it's mechaper on all essen and lovin. That's a lot of averis. And so something like this, a korban that is so different from all other korbanas, needs a good explanation. Now, I'm not capable of explaining Hashem's reasons, but when we study the Sa'il Lazazel, we should keep in mind the words of the Rambam. These ceremonies are of a symbolic nature, and they are intended to teach certain ideas and to induce men to repent. So we understand that some of the lessons are so self-evident that we are expected to study them. The first thing we must ask is, What's so special about this goat that it brings such a kapara? And for the answer to that question, we turn to a medrash in Breshis Rabbah that says as follows, Hasair ze Esav. Who is this goat, this Sa'ir, that is being led out to the mountain? It's Esav. Now that's a cryptic statement. Esav is a goat. What does that mean? So we think back to our days in Cheder when we learned Chumash and remind ourselves that we once had an uncle Esav who was compared to a Sa'ir. You remember when Esav was born. It says about him, Vayetze Harishan Admoini, 
Kulo ka'aderet se'ar. And the first one came out covered all over ka'aderet se'ar, like a hairy coat. Bracious. Esav was exceptionally hairy, and he was well known for that. Hain Esav achi ish se'ar. My brother Esav is a hairy man, said Yaakov. Bracious. Se'ar means hair, and se'ir is a goat, because a goat is a very hairy animal. And Har Seir is the land where Esav, the hairy man, dwelt. And so, when we lead the Seir, Lazazel, out to the desert, we understand now that it's Esav we are taking out. And we note that Esav doesn't just go out to the wilderness unencumbered. Venasa Asair, the goat carries something out to the desert. When we push the Seir off the cliff, with him a heavy load goes tumbling down. And what is in that load that goes over the cliff with Esav? V'nasah ha-sa'id avonotam. And the Medrash says, V'nasah ha-sa'id. Esav carries away on his back. Avonotam. Avonotam. The word avonosam, their sins, should be read avonosam. The sins of the tam. The ishtam. That's Yaakov. On the back of Esav, we load all of our sins, even sins bemazed, and we lead them away to a high, rocky cliff. And when we get to that tzuk, to that precipice where the kapara takes place, it's Esav we are pushing off a cliff. That's it. That's the whole ceremony. We throw Esav off a cliff, and we have a kapara. It's a remarkable concept, throwing the goat that represents Esav off of a mountain cliff, should bring such a powerful atonement for the Am Yisrael. Now, we wouldn't be wrong if we asked the question, is that fair? Why should Esav be blamed to suffer for the sins of Yaakov? And that's a big question. At least, I think it's a big question. Why is it Esav's fault that the Am Yisrael sinned? We throw Esav off of a cliff, and our sins go down with him, where is the Yoshet here? And the answer is, it's all Yoshet. Because if you want to know the reason for almost all of the sins of Yaakov, it's because there's an Esav around. Now, I don't mean to blame only our uncle Esav. Esav is a marshal for the Goyim, for all the nations of the world. It's the Goyim who bear the responsibility for all those Jews who were misled by their false ideas. The shortcomings and the imperfections of the Am Yisrael are almost always traced back to the Umus HaOilam. You know, it was only 70 years ago, 1905, that in the small towns, and even the big towns, most Jews put on tefillin. And most of them kept Shabbos, ate kosher, and learned Torah every day. The Jews used to keep everything. It used to be easy to resist the blandishments of the Goyim, Let's say you lived in old Krakow and the Satan came over to you and said, take off your hat. So you'd put up a big fight because to walk bareheaded in Krakow meant that you were liable to get a broken head. To be a Jew meant you had to act like a Jew. There were no two ways about it. The whole atmosphere of a Jewish community was different when the influence of Esav was kept far away. Krakow was a town where children in the street babbled divrei Torah. It's not what I say. Greitz, the Soine HaToyre said that. A fact. 
a verifiable truth like that. Even an enemy of Torah couldn't dispute. He said that children babbled divrei Torah in the street. Even women spoke Gemara Lashon, because that was the language of the people. Every third word in Yiddish is a Gemara word. When the people weren't busy with Gentile ideas, when they lived in a pure environment, they were able to remain the nation of the Ishtam. Now, why did they leave that environment? When was it broken up? It was Esav who disrupted the Jewish communities, communities that had existed for hundreds of years with established ways. Who broke up the yeshiva in Slabatka? The Russians. The yeshiva had just finished building a beautiful building. It was a very poor yeshiva, and it had taken them 15 years to gather together money to build the building. I was there at the Chanukah Sabayas. It was a big simcha, and then not long after I left, the Russians marched in. The communists took it away from the yeshiva and they made it into some worker's place or something. Who ruined the yeshivas? Who ruined Judaism in Russia? The goyim. Who ruined everything that we had built up so painstakingly where all our traditions were observed? Asaph. So now these Jews came to America and there was no community, no organization. And there's a law in America that you must send your child to school. But to set up functional yeshivas, you need money. And they weren't experienced. Nobody had done it before. And so the majority of Jewish children went to public school. And that was the beginning of the ruination of American Jewry. In America itself, hundreds of thousands of Jewish families have disappeared. They moved out, settled among the Gentiles, and went lost. Many intermarried. A tragedy of tragedies. Until the G'doylim came from Europe and founded from communities, American Jews were being swallowed up, devoured by the ways of Esau. Now, are the Jews such a disloyal nation? No. There's no nation as loyal as we are. Jews wouldn't be Mechalel Shabbos and throw away their tefillin. We're not a wicked people. So who deserves the blame for this great desolation? The great ruination of the Jews who forsook the whole Torah. The blame must be laid squarely on the shoulders of Esav. It's only due to the effort of Esav, who would never let us alone, that so many Jews have become ruined. Esav is the one who broke up the communities. They physically smashed up our lives. They exiled us, driving us from town to town, from country to country. And in our new homes, we had to start building all over again from scratch. It was Esav who ruined the Jewish communal life in Krakow and in Slobodka and forced us to rebuild anew. And the truth is, what were Jews doing in Krakow and Slobodka anyway? They didn't belong there. They had all been in Spain. In Spain, there were old, organized, prestigious communities. But Esav threw them out. Ferdinand and his wonderful wife Isabella, Yemachshemam Vizichram, Throughout the Jews, the persecution in Spain broke up the established Jewish communal life. And looking further back, how did we end up in Spain? They should have been in Babel, where they had been for a thousand years. A thousand-year-old community. Now that's a settled community, where everybody kept everything. So why didn't they just remain there? Esav again. And what were they doing in Babel? They should have all been in Eretz soil 
with the base Hamigdash, organized under the Chachmei Atoira, who were in charge. Every little detail of Jewish life was under the supervision of the Sanhedrin. You couldn't just do whatever you pleased when the Sanhedrin was in charge. So who abolished the Sanhedrin? It was Gabinius, the Roman governor of Syria. He abolished it. And whose orders was he following? Antipater, the father of Hordus, who didn't want the Sanhedrin in his way. Antipater, where did he come from? He was an Edomi from Asaf, and Rome is also Asaf. So these two minions of Asaf got together and abolished the Sanhedrin. So who broke up the Am Yisrael's established system of Avodah Hashem? Who destroyed our communities of Kedusha? Who broke us down and drove us out among the Goyim with their polluted ideas? Which polluted us? Asaf. And so it's Asaf who has to carry our sins upon his shoulders because he is the one to blame. Of course, we have the Chira. No question about it. We have the free will to resist. But suppose someone comes and disturbs your good intentions. He's Roy Defu. And then he tempts you and pressures you. And now you yield. Is he innocent? You're to blame for not fighting back hard enough. But if he deliberately tempted you, then he's the guilty one here. He's the one who has to go over the cliff. In Mesech the Brachas, the Gemara says that the Jewish nation declares to our Kalash Baruch Hu, Ribbonu Shalaylam, Ritzoneinu La'asot Ritzonecha. Ribbonu Shalolam, we want to do your will. By nature, the Am Hashem, the holy nation, desires to do the will of Hashem. Ela, mi me'akev. But what prevents us? Something is hindering us. Take a look around on the street and you'll see that something is wrong. A great many Jews are very far from doing Hashem's will. And even for the fruma, it's not so easy. We're not always doing the Ratzon Hashem. But we want to. Ritzonenu la'asod ritzonecha. Hashem, we want to do whatever you want. So what is it that prevents us? Asked the Gemara. And the answer given there is that one of the most pressing ikuvim is shibud malchuyus, the fact we are subject to the whims of the nations. Now, shibud malchuyus means a lot of things. It's a shame, hakolel, for a lot of what we suffer from the nations of the world. I mentioned already the shibud of being moved from one place to another and the breakdown of our communities. And they didn't move us gently. No, they did it with crusades, pogroms, and inquisitions. They did it with the yellow stars and crematoria. And because of that, they will bear eternal responsibility for preventing us from doing the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. However, there's another shibud that has wreaked even more havoc on the Am Yisroel than that. Because a few hundred years ago, into the world came a very great sakana, the era of tolerance. Napoleon and the others as well broke down the walls that the church had erected around us and the removal of those barriers did even more damage to us than the forced destruction of our communities in the past. The enlightenment tolerance, freedom and the equality has been one of the worst of all tests in our history. Here in America, we're free. We have liberty. We have almost 100% freedom. 
And we have to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for that. After all, America is a good country. We came from countries where we were persecuted. And this country gave us all the rights. I would say we should kiss the ground of America for all that it has gave us. I was in Europe for some time. I learned in Slobodka. And when I came back, I saw even more that this was a blessed country. It's a gift from Hashem to us. Shouldn't we appreciate it? Of course. We pay taxes. Of course we keep the laws. I even say that a Jew should hang out the flag on the 4th of July. I won't say you're a sinner if you don't. But I think it's a good thing to hang out the flag. It's not a contradiction to being a Frum Jew by any means. We hang out the flag from this jewel on the 4th of July. Certainly, you should be loyal to your country. So you'll ask me, what's the problem then? Freedom, liberty, it's all good. What's the Shebud? And the answer is that that itself is the worst Shebud. There's nothing worse than being free to follow the ways and attitudes of the Goyim. Hashata Avde. To a certain extent, we are slaves today. We are slaves to our environment. You're not really free if you live among the Gentiles. Because the worst slavery of all is being enslaved to Gentile influence. More people have been lost in the crematoria of tolerance than were destroyed in the Holocaust. The spiritual Holocaust has no equal. I remember in 1930, when you couldn't find a firm girl to marry. A firm girl was impossible to find. A firm boy was also a rarity. There was only one yeshiva in America. The Shibud Malchuyus of being enslaved to the influence of the Goyim is still our most dangerous enemy today. The whole Seviva, the whole environment is trying to drown out our ideals. We're being inundated on all sides by Apikorsus, Taivus, Shtus, Avoidazara. There's wickedness all around us, and it's flooding our homes. Most of us are being affected. On all sides, you see Gentiles and Gentile ideals. Money, clothing, sports, entertainment, movies, litsonus, atheism, evolution. In the winter seasons, you're inundated with season's greetings, signs of the holidays. Of course, it's all business. It's not genuine. It's all for money. But still, you can't help yourself from being drawn along. The atmosphere is avoid the zora and atheism and materialism on all sides. You pass by a yeshiva today and you see things going on. Tayeda boys, precious boys, and yet they're behaving like goyim. Their games are goyish games. Their sports are goyish sports. The way they speak and what they speak about, it's words of Esav. When you go to a bar mitzvah, a lot of the dancing is goyish dancing. It's Gentile ways. Jews should have other ways of doing things. And instead, they're thinking in goyish ways, with goyish thoughts. Baruch Hashem, we're happy with them. I'm happy with them. Cain Yirbu and Cain Yigdelu. I love them. Tayyara boys a thousand times better than the best goyim. And yet, they don't realize that they're being influenced by the outside world tremendously. And there in Gullus, you will serve strange gods. Now, you won't actually bow down to the Avodizara there. But being among the Gentiles is like serving strange gods. You can't help yourself. 
the attitudes of Esav are being pounded into your head day and night. And you're bowing down to Gentile ideas. Some of us less. Some of us more. But everyone is being affected. It's the Rambam who says that. V'noheg keminhog anshe midinato. A person will always behave like the people of the country where he lives. It can't be helped. Even when the Sadiqim from Europe came to America, as soon as they got off the boat, they had to fight against the environment. That's why I always say that a Sadiq, even the biggest Sadiq, when he comes to America, is already an Americaner. He's already spoiled. The Satmarav, Zechel Sadiq Livrocha, as soon as he set foot down on the soil of America, he had to fight back. All around him was the environment of Esav. And everyone in America was filling their minds with American ideals. I'm telling you right now, it's affecting all of us. It's happening this minute. If you're living here in America, you're going to be an American. It's impossible for a person to avoid the influence of this country in which he lives. It enters your ears, your eyes, and worst of all, your mind. Don't fool yourself. It's happening in every part of your life. Just the fact that I'm speaking to you in English right now is a sign of our environment pressing down on us. I remember many Jews in Europe who couldn't speak Lithuanian or Polish. I saw many people who couldn't speak the language of the land. And it was a great barrier, a wall between the Am Yisrael and Esau. And the fact is, they were proud of it. I remember the old generation. They were proud of the fact that they couldn't speak Goyish. You should know. The fact that I speak English here is against my will. I would never speak English in public. Only because this is a Syrian place. They don't speak Yiddish here, and I can't speak Syrian, so I have to speak in English. In my shul, I speak English too. But that's business. It's Parnassa, so I can't help myself. What you do for business is something else. But if I'm invited out to speak, it's only Yiddish. It's a principle of mine. In the house also, I speak only Yiddish to my children. Since they were born, they answer me in English. What can I do? But I speak Yiddish. It's a principle. Now they must learn English in the schools. I'm not saying English is a bad thing to learn. But the problem is that you have to learn for the regions. So they tell you to read books and novels. And you have to learn evolution too. Apicorsus has to be taught in the yeshivas, in the Beis Yankovs. Of course. The teacher says, we don't believe in it. But when they ask you the question on the examination, you have to say this and this. You have to write this and this apicorsis. And of course, what you can read English. You have the opportunity to read all the filth of the Umas Ha'ilam. We need to know that this Shibud Malchuyas is hollowing out our nation. And now... We can begin to understand the words of Moshe Rabbeinu when he spoke to the Bnei Yisrael just before they entered the land of Eretz Yisrael. You're coming now into Eretz Yisrael and you're going to settle in your own land, he said. But I must warn you. And he said as follows, Atem yidatem asher You know very well that you once lived in Mitzrayim. V'tiru et shukutsehem v'et gilulehem. And you saw their abominations. You saw their ways, their wicked things that they did. So the question is, what about it? 
They were already 40 years away from Mitzrayim. And now they were going into their own land, into Eretz Yisrael. Who cares what they once saw? And the answer is that once you see something, even if you saw it 40 years ago, it's already in your mind. It's called mental assimilation. It's not only physical assimilation. You have to worry about that you're mixing among the goyim. It's also your mind that you have to be worried about. Your head is becoming assimilated. You could have payers down to your belt. But what does it help if they're growing out of a Gentile mind? There might be a poison root growing in your mind. Devarim. What you see, what you hear, could bear poison fruit in your mind. All types of seeds are planted. And now you have a Gentile jungle growing in your head. Vitiru et Once you saw with your eyes the Gentile culture, their attitudes and ways. So the picture of those abominations remain in your mind. And that picture is a sakana. It could very well be a root of poison. And it will grow in your mind. And who knows what dangerous fruit it might bear in the future. We think it's too much, too extreme, that Moshe Rabbeinu is making a big deal about nothing. But that's only because we've already assimilated Gentile ideas into our minds. They're already part of our lives. So they determine what we think is normal. But if you listen to Moshe Rabbeinu's words, you'll see how careful you must be. Pen yeshbachem. You might have poison in your head. And so we begin to see that in addition to the danger of being persecuted by the Gentiles, there is the bigger danger of having our minds follow the attitudes and the ways of the Gentiles, even from a distance. If you live in Long Island, in Westchester, or in West Orange, so of course you have to beware. But even in Borough Park and Williamsburg and Lakewood, you are in grave danger. It's a very important point you're hearing now. We are expected to fight back against the great influence of Esav that fills the world. And the Sa'il Lazazel is the korban that was designed to underscore this point. We're being told, you know what the remedy to all this is. Take Esav as a korban, but don't offer him on the Mizbeach. Esav has no place in the Mikdash. Instead, Take him far away. Lead him as far as possible away from Yerushalayim and throw him off a mountain. Get rid of him so that you shouldn't be tempted again. And when you see him tumbling down the steep mountain, smashing to pieces, that is the atonement for your wicked ways. If we wish to be rid of our sins, if we wish to achieve a kapara for the wrong things that we did, so one of the most important things that we have to do is to get rid of Esav. Now, that doesn't mean that you should go out on the street and get rid of Goyim. We're not going to take Goyim and throw them off of the roof. Leave them alone. That's not our business here. Don't fight with Goyim. You have to fight with the Goy inside of you. That's the toughest Goy there is. And get rid of him. Once you find him and take hold of him, you'll find that he's a tenant that doesn't leave so easily. And the truth is that you love that tenant. You'll be surprised how much you love that guy inside of you. So much so that you refuse to part with him. It's like a landlord who complains about his tenant and calls the marshal to evict him. But then when the marshal comes, 
the landlord starts hemming and hawing. No, I can't let him go. I want him to stay. We want that tenant in us. That's the real problem here. The goy inside our heads. Not the goy on the street. The Torah tells us a general principle. Lo tavi toeva el betecha. Do not bring any abomination into your home. Of course, the plain meaning is that you shouldn't bring an idol into your home, even as a memento or a souvenir. But the lesson here is that nothing abominable, nothing of Esav, should be brought into your home. And the Torah says, why? Because you're going to make your home abominable. What you bring into your home changes the nature of your home. You could have a beautiful home, and then you bring in something from Esav, and it's all ruined. It's like a delicious piece of steak that fell into the toilet. It's ruined now. And therefore, as much as possible, you should keep the goy out of your home and out of your thoughts. And that's a very big job today because the Gentile attitudes are permeating our lives. The air is tomei and it's creeping under the door. And I'm sorry to say that in many homes, the goyim are not just creeping in. The door is wide open and we invite them in. Of course, you shouldn't have any TV, chas v'sholem. Lo tavi tibi el betecha. You shouldn't bring the abomination of television into your home. Don't allow Esav into your house. Because his big mouth opens up and he pours out all of the lotsanas into your family room. Surely you wouldn't take the sewer main with all the filth from people's toilets and let it empty into your home. If you have a wire bringing Esav into your house... You can forget about it altogether because ain lo chelik la'olam haba. No question about it. Hakoyde basforim chitzoniim ain lo chelik la'olam haba. And this man brings them into his home every night. He sits and looks at their shows and their movies. Surely he can forget about olam haba. No question about it at all. And spread the word. By the way, it's impossible to have a Jewish home with a television in it. There are no two ways about it. Either you have a miktash or you have a television. It can't be both. And if Khalila, you're still living with Esav in your home, so you should take that TV and throw it off a cliff. You don't live near a mountain, so throw it out your window. Make sure that nobody is walking on the sidewalk below. If the coast is clear, throw it over and watch it become a vorim, a vorim, smashed. Two pieces. Your wife won't let. So give her some money to go shopping. And when she's out spending your money, throw the TV out the window. It's worth all the money in the world to get that toeva out of your home. Included in the abominations that we send out on the back of the Sa'il Azazel and throw over the cliff is the reading material of the Goyim. Magazines, novels, even children's books. In the public library, there is no end of dirty books. Today, that's what they offer to children in the libraries. The library books are full of tuma. Once upon a time, the libraries had good books. I know. They didn't let any immoral books into the library. The books weren't always so wise. But they were good books. They taught you to work hard and make a living. And how you can get rich with good character. That was the old-time books in the library. But today... It's terrible what's available there. Terrible. Don't tell me it has no effect on you. It has an effect. 
it leaves over a bad smell. You can't have a nice home that smells like Tsoa. It doesn't work. It smells up your house. Now, some people are so accustomed to the bad smell of Esav that they think it's natural. If you have to have a book by Esav, I'm not giving you a heter. But if for whatever reason, you have something from Esav in your home, so make sure to keep it in the bathroom where the smell won't bother you. The bathroom, that's the Goyesha library. Otherwise, it will be metame the atmosphere of the whole house. As much as possible, try to keep the ideas of Esav out of your home. And so this very important offering of the Sa'il Azazel, although it's not a korban on the Mizbeach, is mechaper more than all the korbanas, throwing the influence of Esav off of a mountain and smashing him into pieces. That's our kapara. Getting rid of the influence of Esav as much as possible. That is the true path to teshuva. Because our faults, our sins, our indiscretions, they're all imitations of the Umas Ha'olam. Esav and the Goyim are to blame for our lapse and our dereliction of duty to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, Vinasa HaSa'ir et Avonotam. Esav, the Sa'ir, carries away our sins. El Eretz Gezeira, to a desolate land. In Masechta of us, we learn, Make the will of Hashem your will. What HaKadosh Baruch Hu considers important, that's what you should consider important. What HaKadosh Baruch Hu admires, that's what you should admire. For instance, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves the Am Yisrael. He's Oyev Am Yisrael. He loves the Jewish people. It says that openly again and again. It's stated that he loves the Am Yisrael more than anything else. So you should train yourself to think the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu thinks. You should also love the Am Yisrael. Become a patriot for the Am Yisrael. Love the Am Yisrael. That is making his will like your will. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves the places of Torah. Ohev Hashem Sharei Tzion. Hashem loves the Sharim, Hamitsuyonim Behalocha. So, when you pass by a yeshiva where people are learning, practice loving that place. Even though you have no money to give them, love them anyhow. Have a feeling. It's a beautiful place, this place. An excellent place. I love the people inside. All those who are learning Torah, because Hashem loves yeshivas, I love the yeshivas too. Say it. It's fine. Nobody will hear you say, I love this yeshiva. I love the people in the yeshiva. Now, once you're doing that, little by little, you begin to think the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu thinks, like it says in Yeshaya. They should choose what I choose. You can walk down the street in Flatbush and think, I'd like to build yeshivas all over the world. I don't have any money, but that's what Hashem wants. So I want it too. I'd like to have the base of Migdash again and bring korbonos. Work on creating that desire in your mind. At first, you won't really mean it. You don't desire the base of Migdash. You desire maybe to eat in the restaurants of Esav or to put on the radio to hear Esav speaking. You desire to sit in a stadium with thousands of Esavs 
watching Asavs hit balls with a stick. Or maybe you're more sophisticated than that. So you want to go see Asav at the theater. A lot of things you desire, but not the Beis HaMegdash, not to build yeshivas. But if you put effort in, if you begin to think along with Hashem and say the words, so little by little you begin to shape your thoughts to be like the thoughts of Hashem. So you walk down Ocean Avenue and you say, And you say it with a desire, a cheshek, instead of looking around at the goyim, at their cars and their billboards and their advertisements in the store windows, inviting you to come waste your money on things that one day you'll have to send off on the back of the Sa'il Azazel anyhow. Instead of all that, you're filling your mind with Torah ideals, the attitudes of a Baruch Hu. The lesson of the Sa'il Azazel is the lesson of what our great test in this world is, to fight back against the influence of the Umas Ha'olam. The nations of the world are no accident of history. HaKadosh Baruch Hu put them in this world for our benefit, to give us the opportunity to fight back by filling our minds with his attitudes instead of the attitudes of the street. And by means of this act of saying good riddance to Ace of the Goat, by pushing him off a cliff and watching him smash to pieces, we internalize the necessity to rid ourselves of all Gentile influence. And that's why it is the most powerful of all kaparas. It was an atonement that was unparalleled anywhere else in the Torah. Venasa hasair et avonotam. The goat carries away all their sins. Because it is the influence of the Umas HaOilam that has stifled our Ratzon to do the will of Hashem. And therefore, all year long, not only on Yom Kippur, we must take that Sa'id and hurl him off the mountaintops. When you smash the influence of Esav, when you get rid of the Hashpah of Esav, that's the Kapara. That's the way to take away your sins. Because a very big part of our sins is on the head of the Gentiles. Most of our sins are really their sins. And it's only when a person takes Asa far away from the Jewish camp, away from Yerushalayim, and throws him off the cliff, that he is prepared now to achieve the greatness that Hashem brought him into the world to accomplish. Hashem, what we want in this world is to do your will. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Esav and his influence. The influence of the Yomaz HaOilam is the primary cause of our sins. This week, I will, Beli Neder, attempt to free myself completely of Gentile influence. For one week, I will stay away from all secular literature news or entertainment, and attempt to connect more with Jewish sources.